All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. But still looks nice. pretty new, right? It, I can't, well, I take good care of it. I only wear it for you know one month of the year. But I thought December first, feeling the holiday spirit, I'm gonna wear it. I was actually gonna wear it at some point in November because I've had my tree up since like November first. Um, oh, the yeah. day after Halloween? Yeah, day after I don't Halloween. like that. Cannot wait for Halloween to be over, and then I get the tree up. You don't like Halloween? No. Why not? Well, I don't know. Like, what what does it do for you as an adult? What do you like about Halloween, Harmon? I just like a reason to hang out with friends and and have some festive energy. F- festive for why can't okay tell me tell me about Halloween. What what your hangout with your friends looks different than if you hung out with them on I don't know October twenty sixth. But also it's just little things like I don't know going to the rink and you see all these kids dressed up. It's just nostalgia. Yeah, get in the spirit. Whatever. No candy that, cool. costumes. Sure. Yeah, I'm just saying I liked it a lot as a kid. But as an adult, I like Christmas a lot more. Oh, yeah, for sure. But that doesn't mean you have to hate Halloween. Too. I don't hate Halloween. I just can't wait for it to be over so that I can get to Christmas mode. That's all. Noted Halloween hater. I, <laughs> I, 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 you guys saw my costume this year. I love getting dressed up. I, you know, I get dressed up. We Now I got the dog, the girlfriend. We do a, a costume, all three of us. I, I love that. I, I love first is too early for the tree, though. I disagree. Yeah, that's that's too much. Like you got to take every all the Halloween stuff down. I mean, maybe you don't because you don't like. No, actually, it. we have a lot of Halloween stuff. That's the thing is, my girlfriend really, really likes Halloween. I was early this year, and we did like m- midway through November. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, you I always get do. In a jolly spirit earlier. Mid November is fair. Yeah, I always do mid November. Had had stuff. You know, there was stuff going on. We both had to work a lot in mid November. So the real we like, question we is: the real question is, when do you take the Christmas decorations down? Uh, that is seeped into like mid to late January. Yeah, for I'm me the same before. way. I remember I tweeted that last year. It was like January 17th, and I got like called out. I think J Pat was on my ass too. 
Well, I'm just saying, like, I know nice, some people. The trees, the lights. Yeah, like some people, especially the ones that do outside too. Obviously, I live in an apartment. I don't get to do the lights outside, but I used to do it at my uh, at my parents' house. I used to do their display, especially in the later years. I love doing that. But the people that do it on December first, like they get their decorations up December first, and then they use Boxing Day to put their stuff in boxes oh, and they take down all the decorations. No, sorry, if I'm going to all that work, getting up on that ladder, getting up on the roof, putting up lights, doing that strenuous exercise doing all the stuff inside too and you're gonna give me 25 days of that no i'm sorry i maximize my time with it like if you think about it i'm close to three months of decorations it's a good chunk of the year yeah good good bang for your buck that's right and that's what it's all about i'm always on like blackout week for that last month of december and i don't mean by drinking i mean just saying i'm not doing <laughs> jack all just sitting on the couch Watching World Juniors, you know, having a couple of drinks. Of well, course. you're getting Crown Royal drinks only, though. We must say you're getting a puppy, so uh, yeah. your life is about to change a little bit, buddy. Oh. I, uh, I, your days of laying on the couch might be over, and you'll find that out soon. Anyways, uh, we'll talk more about puppies uh, as the show progresses. But first, we have to talk about our presenting sponsor today, which is the Wendy's Daily Faceoff Survivor Pool game. Wendy's is letting you win real food with your fantasy teams this year with the Wendy's Daily Faceoff Survivor Pool. For those of you who dream of smoking the competition, Wendy's is rewarding you with weekly prizes that will have you winning. But here's the big secret to lineups. It's all serendipitous. Like Wendy's new limited edition chicken strips and French toast sticks. You heard that right, folks. Together, chicken strips and French toast sticks. Sometimes the best teammates are the ones you'd least suspect. Sign up to play Daily Faceoff Survivor Pool to win weekly prizes like new chicken strips and French toast sticks from Wendy's and the Wendy's app. I gotta, I gotta try this. The, the French toast sticks and the chicken strips. I gotta try it. I, have you ever had chicken and waffles? Because I haven't. No, I haven't. Yeah, Grady, I'm sure you have. Come on. I have once. Yeah, I was it was, say. it was overrated. I just find the savory with the salt and savory like it just doesn't work for me. I, Not a I, I want to try it, and I'm definitely gonna go try this at Wendy's. But I, I thought there'd be no chance that the, all three of us hadn't ever tried chicken and waffles. But yeah. I'll try anything once, quads. That's right. Okay. I love how we're delaying the Canucks talk as well, much as possible after that performance. I, I love this comment. Game. I love this comment from Sniper. Sorry, we're going to delay more. He said, I'm with quads as far as I'm concerned. Christmas starts November 1st at 12.01 a.m. Sniper, thank you so much for your contribution. Ignoring every other comment in the YouTube live chat. If you're here, though, uh, be sure to subscribe. Like the channel or like the video as well and subscribe to the channel. Got a lot of good stuff Monday through Friday. We're going to be joined later by Wyatt Arndt. But yes, gentlemen, the time has come to talk about the Vancouver Canucks 4-1 loss at the Vegas Golden Knights as the Canucks continue to look for that first regulation victory on home ice against the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, it was disappointing. I mean, I said on yesterday's show that I wasn't going to overreact based off one game, and I'm going to stick to that, but... At least against Colorado, they were competitive. Through the first two periods, they were tied. And even when they went down early in the third period, they were pushing pretty hard until about the midway point of the third period when Kale McCarr scored that back-breaking goal to make it 4-2. That was at least a fun, entertaining game, and you could look at it and go, okay, yeah, there's some distance for the Canucks to go. But at least they, at least it felt like they had a shot there, whereas... Against Vegas, it just felt like they were outclassed as soon as the puck, as soon as the puck was dropped. And for me, it's not just the result; it's not just losing, but the process and how disappointing they look. Sort of old habits starting to seep into their game defensively. Just really disappointing. We were just joking before the show started about Brock Besser blowing the zone early and how that resulted in a goal. And I made the joke that when we asked for vintage Brock Besser, that's not what we meant because it did look like Brock Besser before he had rounded out his defensive game. Uh, I did not look good what on was, that goal. What was he doing there? Was he trying to go off for a line change or was he just waiting for the outlet pass? Because he like turned the wrong way and started heading, you know, you down the ice. You have to think with where the puck was, he wasn't thinking line change. Like yeah. I, I'm thinking he had I'd to be, be curious thinking... to see the shift length. Shift length yeah, exactly. I, I, I think he's trying to, get an outlet pass and he thought it's the old bull horvat like that's what he was doing low in the zone that nikita uh nikolai goldolden special yeah and bull horvat and sven berchi yeah. like the list goes on basically anybody Cheating from those offense. teams it looked like you know what it looked like it looked like boys to men or like a peewee team playing mm -hmm. like 
up against a midget or bantam team last night. Yeah, um, it did look like Vegas was kind of playing with their food a little bit. Yeah, especially like, toward the end, attacking like a five-man unit, dishing the puck around, like making sure like all five guys on the ice were getting puck touches. The Canucks just looked discombobulated and just didn't have that synergy we saw. Vegas did such a good job, I thought, too, keeping them to the outside. Like, they were forcing them into these, like, low-danger shots all night long, which is not going to win you games against uh, reigning Stanley Cup champions. The thing that we kind of pointed out when we were chatting about this game was that the top six did not play like we expect the Canucks' top six to play. In terms of matchups, JT Miller had the matchup with the Jack Eichel line, started to get caved very early there. In the second period, Rick Talk and his coaching staff go to Elias Pettersson's line, and guess what? They did not fare much better, so it went back to Miller. I thought Nils Huglander actually played well. That was a really nice nice sight to see as Nils Huglander continuing to uh, have that positive progression where he gets a shot with JT Miller, um, and he continues to kind of do the right things that are making you think, okay, maybe this guy can be a middle six winger Uh, for this team moving forward back to the Miller line. They got caved a few times and Miller spoke about this post game. And we have the clip here, Grady Uh, Miller spoke about it post game. I left in the part where IMAC asked a follow-up question because I thought Miller's answer to it uh, about the goal specifically was also worth including here. This is JT Miller on the matchup last night. Every night is to outplay their line and they outplayed us in the first period. And that's on me. I just, uh, you know, I played a little slow in the first period today, and they were ready to play. They were desperate. Um, you know, they got their goals out of hard work and outworked us, and that's on me. What happened on the first court? You guys weren't very mobile. About right. Just didn't, nobody covered anyone. Just, I might as well not even been there. Just standing there. Let's continue this conversation with Wyatt Art, uh, and then after that, we'll continue it with our listeners in our anyone else portion because we have more to get to from the game but from the man who collected that audio for us big time reporter big j journalist uh Wyatt Arndt was at the arena for us last night okay bring it down as is quickly becoming a tradition on this show, Wyatt Art is brought to you by his own merch, which is available now at nationgear.ca. Get your gear under the tree. Get your favorite fan the gift of Nation Gear this holiday season. Order by December 10th to receive your Nation Gear before the holidays. Visit nationgear.ca to check out our latest collection. New background today, Wyatt. Some fans here. I know you've questioned my professionalism in the past, so it's funny that you're wearing a turtle shirt while I and Harmon dress appropriately. So I just, you know, whatever. That's cool. Hypocrisy is cool. I get it. Why? I also have to ask, what do I have to do to be cool enough to get my own merch like you? Uh, you have to basically be an award-winning journalist and then uh, just have Nation Network be really nice to you out of nowhere. Uh, I don't know how it happened. It's just it was pretty, it was pretty good. I think just, uh, you know, live, live the award-winning life. That's all I can say. You're on your way, Harmon. You're on your way. Yeah. You're already in the Nation Network studio. You got the Canucks Army logo behind. You're on your way. You're on I'm your way. There. You're like a six merch. out of ten on there. You got to get to ten <laughs> out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wyatt, what did you think about the game last night? You were there. You were in the press box. Overall thoughts on the game? Oh, uh, game was it was terrible. Yeah, it really felt like a mismatch. Kind of felt more like last year's Canucks, where you just, like you saw them and it didn't feel like they had much of a chance. I know there is one. 10-minute stretch at talk it talked about where they felt they had a bit of a pushback and a chance. Actually, when it's 2 nothing, it felt like maybe they get a goal, maybe they get a spark under them. Uh, but then that Tyler Myers uh, penalty really did them in. And their penalty kill, yeah, like we're talking about in the press row, it was a weird, like it was just two guys down low, two guys up really high. I don't know what the strategy was there, but, the, you know, Will Carlson shoots it in and scores pretty easily. Uh, and, yeah, overall, it just felt like only a handful of players stood out to me. Like, honest, Connor Garland, I think, still has been uh, just playing really well. This, for, for such a small player... He is so strong on the boards and so good at that puck. Like, he was able to spin off of a very big Vegas team and create chances. Uh, you know, you start to wonder, like, maybe you find a finisher for him because nothing against Dakota Joshua, but he doesn't have that finishing talent that maybe someone um, that better could maybe finish off those chances that Garland's setting them up with. Uh, Hulk Glider played well, like you said. and But overall, it really was a case of the top players, the Canucks just didn't show up. Like, even Hughes, who is a fantastic player, has had a fantastic season. Even his impact didn't feel as, as big as it has in, in the past games. 
What? How worried are you about the top six right now? Because it wasn't just a stinker performance against Vegas for them, but it feels like it's been a while now where, especially at five on five, the top six just isn't driving the bus like they did early in the season. Yeah, we all talked about the regression that's coming, and it feels like that. So now you're starting to wonder, like, how far is it going to go the other way, and when are they going to kind of stop that? Because, you know, you talked about the low danger chances. They actually were credited with, like, like 13 high danger chances, but I think those are the ones that were, like, kind of those download slam home plays. They cut, that's all they could kind of get out of that game. Um, and Aiden Hill's really good at stopping those. And they did have some good chances down there, but your entire game plan can't just be, you know, slam it down low. Uh, they weren't able to get anything in the middle of the ice. Uh, Elias Patterson has been the topic du jour because we just don't know where he is right now. We don't know what kind of player he is right now. We don't know. Like we thought maybe against the Ducks, maybe his game is coming to form, but you know, the Ducks are a bit of an easier opponent. Uh, but when you run to the big boys, he was nowhere to be seen. The JT Miller defense that again, we've talked about and you guys did as well. That was one of the worst defensive performances we've seen that the Brock Besser blow to the zone goal. Like there were three mistakes in that JT Miller was terrible in the first check that started that whole progress. Tyler Meyer starts spinning in circles and then Besser blows the zone. That's 2022 Canucks right there. So, you know, Miller talked about it post game that they're kind of doing the right things every other game. And that's what it feels like. They're inconsistent right now. And if they want to be a team that finishes, you know, top four, they've got to find a way to be consistent. Cause right now they're saying like, they're acknowledging that they're not playing well, but it's been around eight games where you don't know what team you're going to get every night. And that's just not going to be good enough for this team. Miller took a lot of accountability post-game. It was the subject of the Stanchies last night that you wrote live from Rogers Arena. What were your thoughts on JT Miller's comments post-game? Honestly, we've seen him in the past kind of um, push back a bit when people call it his back-checking, and there's kind of a bit of some animosity there. But to his full credit, he took, took accountability on the nose right there but right away he just even like when you're there in the room the vibe of it like you can just tell like he was just there he's gonna ask the questions but he was he was pissed like he was not happy with himself i'm sure for him i know they said that it wasn't you know we're not gonna measure yourself against this team but that is a measuring stick you know you see the defending Stanley Cup champions you can say whatever you want you always want to test yourself against the best and kind of see how you measure up and vegas has always been traditionally a very hard challenge for the canucks so i think for miller especially because we know like everyone's a competitor but some people it, it burns them a little bit more when they lose i think miller especially especially with how he played felt that loss and just was not happy with it and again that's to his credit because in the past like i've said sometimes he's pushed back and be like hey i back check a couple times no he knew uh those first two goals like you said he was standing around you might know might not as well have been there and that's pretty damning for him to say about himself yep on a lighter note canucks acquired nikita zadorov yesterday how excited are you to have like a second chaos draft essentially (laughs) I am so excited, man. I cannot wait. Because, like, especially if those two play the same pair together, I just have a visions of them hitting one guy together and sandwiching him and him just crumpling and them high-fiving. Like, it's like the Bash Brothers are on the team. Uh, it is kind of it's funny because, like, obviously, anytime you get a new player, the market kind of starts saying, like, I think it's already saw some comments. They would have lost if they had off. It's like, let's just relax a little bit. <laughs> he's not, not going to fix the team. But in terms of being an exciting player, like, and for a team that's traditionally been very boring to watch the last eight years, uh, he adds another element of excitement. And for a market that, like, absolutely loves big hits, this guy's going to provide those. Because if you watch his hit compilation, this guy hits hard. Like, you feel those hits. He is just a big tank out there. So having him out there and just even just, like, his his offensive plays, we've seen, like, Harmon's article I was reading and seeing some of his ability just to skate that fast, like, for a guy that big. Uh, it's pure entertainment. Like, how could you not be excited about this trade? Wyatt, what does this team need right now? What's going to get them out of this funk? Elias Patterson to wake up. I don't know if he's hurt, fair enough. But he, right now, like, we've seen Besser and Miller have games where they've led and scored goals. Patterson, aside from that duck game, it still feels like, we don't know where he is and that's affecting McKay. That's affecting Kuzmeko. It's a rippling down the lineup now in terms of, cause they never talk of like maybe Kuzmeko plays with Miller and Besser now. So you're sitting there wondering when is Patterson going to start driving a line? Cause you know, we know he can begin the season. He did. We've seen him be the best player in the league at that time. But right now you come in, you watch Jack Eichel just throunce your team. Mm-hmm. You know what good players can do. And the Canucks need some more of those performances from their best players. Cause we we all know this team is like one of those teams that, you know, you're hoping to make the playoffs. But in order to get there, as they did at the beginning of the season, their big players need to be their big players. And right now, to me, Elias Patterson is just that's such a worry right now because we don't know what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so uh, we were going to do a football quiz today. Like, that was what we said, but they traded for Nikita Zadorov. So maybe next week, Wyatt, uh, next when week. you're back on Friday, our regular Friday guest, of course, Wyatt Art, who's going to give us a football question uh, next week. Next week, we're going to have a have a good time with some football questions. Uh, I Wyatt. Do, I- I do just want to say well quickly that uh, I got to start trading my shoulder because in those scrums, you got to hold your 
your microphone out and I was too far. So during the scrub to Tyler Myers, not only is he like seven foot tall, but I was sitting there. He talked for like six minutes. My shoulders shaking. I had to hold my arm with the other arm. And I was sitting there. And as I stopped, everyone started laughing because they thought I was going to sneeze. I was turning away in pain. So I'm rusty too. We can all up our game. I got to be better. That's on me. Uh, I might as well have just been standing there. You know, it's, it's I got to get better. <laughs> We'll get you a little tripod that you yeah, can could you? Set up. <laughs> Thank you. I need one of those. Just set up your mic in front of them with like the, the sports net, the yeah. Canucks mic on the tripod. Just set the get them a stanchion to lean on. How yeah. about there? Thank you. I need my fellow stanchions to help me. I like that. Wyatt, good stuff as always, man. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks. Well, I one quick shout out to Harmon. Your article on the athletic about Zadorov was fantastic. I loved it. Thanks, man. My athletic subscription just renewed on my credit card and I you know I know you get a free one obviously so you don't know the pain and why it used to oh why it's gone um but you know when you don't you know this with any subscription when you don't remember that a subscription is going to renew and then it renews you're just like oh I yeah. did not think this was coming so my athletic so you're welcome the athletic went well it's not going into my bank account so kind of no not going into my bank account you know okay anyways we'll close it there Thanks to uh, Wide Art for joining us uh, on this Friday. He is our Friday regular. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Quickly, we got to get this in. The Four Winds Prospect Report brought to you by our friends over at Four Winds Brewing. It's a short and it's a sweet one. Today, a presentation of our friends at Four Winds Brewing, family-owned and operated in Delta, home to the Four Winds Light Light Lager, a crisp, clean, and easy-drinking beer, a beer for everyone, a perfect beer for before, after, or during, an Archer Seelov shutout. Ask for Four Winds Light Lager at your local liquor store or have some delivered right to your door through the online shop at fourwindsbrewing.ca. Quickest prospect board in history, Archer Seelovs was named um, goaltender of the month in the AHL with a 4-1-0 four, four, record. Two shoutouts on the month. Good stuff from Artie. Artie party out there in Abbotsford. He's bounced back. The Abbotsford Canucks have also bounced back in a big way. Uh, Dave Hall spoke about a lot of this recently, but today, this morning, Friday morning, uh, Archer Seelovs named goaltender of the month in the American Hockey League. Quickly, not as good news for Canucks fans, Logan Stankoven, rookie of the month in the American Hockey League. Yeah, I, I remember before the draft, his numbers popped so much and yet he was five foot seven and everybody that I think was a very sort of polarizing player where I think most of the people that I talked to were like, yeah, this guy rocks. He should really be taken. And I know a lot of people in advance were, were banging the sort of drum for him, even, even on the media side, but then other people were like, yeah, but he's five, seven and, and he's not the quickest guy. Not surprising that he's taken off like this. We'll see what he does in the next step. But when you have success like this as a rookie in the AHL, it typically means 
you're going to have success at the next level. And the thing is, the AHL, it's not like it's not a physical league. Like, if anything, yeah. it might be even more physical than the NHL. Obviously, guys are a lot faster. And for a guy who's not the, the quickest, like Stankoven, you're obviously going to have a little more of an advantage there when everybody else is slow. But I don't know. We'll see. Uh, it's just something to note. Just something to note, folks. Don't get too angry uh, that we pointed it out. But just something to note. Just something I noticed today. <clears throat> okay, we're going to get to anyone else shortly. I like this. I really like this. Uh, Dr. Haas said, why don't we put Hoaglander with Elias Pettersson? I think that's going to be a subject of anyone else today is what is going to get Elias Pettersson going. But before we get to anyone else and before we get to finishing up our kind of recap of the game, you wrote something exceptional at the athletic. Oh, oh, okay. I just paid $80 for an athletic subscription, got every dollar worth in the article you dropped this morning and terrific work, honestly, fantastic work over at the athletic by you uh, breaking down Nikita Zadorov's game, but not everybody in this show is an athletic subscriber. So go ahead and break it down for us on the show. Yeah. So essentially after the trade happened, I spent a lot of time watching back tape of Zadorov and trying to essentially learn, okay, what type of player is he? What is he going to bring bring to the table? A few things that, of course, stood out. Number one, the skating ability. He doesn't just skate well for a big man. He skates well for by any NHL defenseman's standards, period. And we've got the objective data for this now, too, thanks to the NHL edge uh, tracking um, statistics. So Nikita Zadorov speed bursts above 20 miles. He's at 24 this season, which puts him essentially in the 71st percentile. So right around the top quarter of all defensemen. And the top speed he's reached this season has him in the 97th percentile of all NHL defensemen. So this guy can absolutely fly, especially when he picks up steam. And it's funny watching him play. Sometimes the way he's able to leverage that skating is so fun to watch. There was one sequence against the Nashville Predators where Zdorov got the puck back at the point. He danced and shook off the winger almost in a Quinn Hughes-like way. Like, seriously, watching him move laterally and and with that type of agility, not just north-south, but side-to-side on that play, he made a nice move, makes a pass to Sharon Govich, uh, which should have resulted in a scoring chance, but Sharon Govich decided to pass it to the right flank to, to nobody. Uh, seconds later, Zadorov's defense partner blows a tire. So the Nashville forward Yakov Trenin is essentially off to the races on a breakaway. You just see this massive six foot seven freight train gunning it, <laughs> strips him of the puck clean. Now he's in the defensive zone. And now he like weaves and dangles his way end-to-end into the offensive end, dumps it in first man into the forecheck, and you're just like, this is such a fun, exciting sequence to watch. So the skating right away stands out. Uh, The physicality, of course. He's got a cannon of a shot, too. And sometimes he uses that skating to make aggressive defensive stops as well. Uh, I was watching a Colorado game where a lot of times you'll see defensemen sort of sag off and sit back because they are worried about getting walked by somebody like Nathan McKinnon. But on that play, Zadorov sort of trusted his lateral mobility and defending the rush really quickly closed him and just one hand swatted the puck because he has such a long reach as well. So you have those types of plays and you go, wow, on any given shift, he can make a game changing play, whether it's offensively or defensively because of his unique combination of speed size length but then there's also the other side of the coin which is he also has the knack on any given shift to take what should be a routine play and just fumble it make a make a big egregious mistake um so i mean i mean there are some specific examples i I wanted to highlight from there but I also don't want to go off on a five-minute monologue. Fair so enough. Was there anything you wanted to chime in on? Well, people in the so chat are saying, and I think Wyatt tweeted this, is go watch the Nikita Zadorov hit compilation on YouTube. Uh, it was Oznuk, I think. Yeah, he said, I was a bit dubious about Zadorov. Then I checked out his greatest hits video on YouTube. Pretty convincing. And that's something, that's an element that he's going to bring to this blue line as well. A guy we were talking to, uh, Bob Germany is what they call him out in Calgary. Uh, Robert Munich, his name is. He's our socials guy. He's a Flames fan. We were talking to him and he pointed out that 
<clears throat> excuse me, he pointed out that while Zadorov has struggled when he plays top four minutes, he's kind of that guy who's a bit chaotic, but he will drop the gloves even if he's not the best fighter. He still will go at guys and he'll still drop the gloves if the time is necessary. I also realized two former teammates on this team. I think he he played with Ian Cole like on the same defense pairing in Colorado. And I don't think he played with, but I'd have to check that actually. I should ask him. Uh, Tyler Myers, when Tyler Myers was in Buffalo, Zadorov was a rookie. So actually they would have been, I mean, Myers, what, three, four years older than him? Anyways, uh, Myers had been there already when Zadorov got to Buffalo for his rookie year. But just interesting thing that I realized, two former teammates. In sort of referencing the physicality, it was hilarious watching him rock Tyler Batuzzi in the neutral zone against the Leafs recently. And it's funny because David Camp started to go up to Zadorov and Zadorov just standing there looking like he's bored, knowing that nobody's going <laughs> to do anything to him because he's the six foot six, six foot seven freight train. And so it's funny, Camp comes in and he gives him like a, like uh, a shot, like a little light slash. And then Zadorov just like, is, is like almost has his posture of like, come on, do something. I dare you. <laughs> it just doesn't even move or flinch. And then Camp inevitably just continues back checking because he's like, I don't want the smoke. So the Canucks need more of that energy. They absolutely need more of that energy on this team, right? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, also, yeah, go on. Like the flip side of it, yes, there's so many positives, but sometimes, yeah, he is capable of of brain cramps and situations where sometimes he'll try and be too aggressive defensively, where instead of taking a defensive angle where you just contain the guy, he can reach in too eagerly because he thinks he can immediately kill the play and then he gets burned on what should not have resulted in a scoring chance or there was like one play in uh, in a Vegas game I watched recently where he checks Barbashev well wins the puck battle in the neutral zone but as soon as he wins the puck battle he throws it back up the wall right to Barbashev and because of that Barbashev just makes a quick pass and now Zadorov's caught and it's a two-on-one chance for Jack Eichel it's like those little things, or I mean, they're not really little little things. They're they're pretty sort of memorable mistakes. Or against the Senators, he just had the puck behind his net, so just sort of gave it away immediately. Ends up in the back of the net. Now, there's definitely more good than there is bad. And I will say he's better than Tyler Myers because a he's a better skater. B he's got a cannon of a shot. C he's also a better puck handler. So the ratio of good plays versus mistakes is definitely more favorable for Zadorov. Mm-hmm. But he's going to be the type of player where one night you watch him and you go, this this guy is such a stud, should be in our top four every day of the week. And then there are going to be other nights where he's going to make mistakes where he may make you want to pull his hair out. Pull his hair out. Oh, sorry, pull, pull your hair out. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> sorry. <making> a huge mistake. <laughs> um, okay, my, my question for you, Harm, is... We keep hearing the stuff about, okay, great in a third pair, struggles when he gets to a top four. One of the reasons he left Calgary is because he wasn't happy with his ice time. Assuming that the Canucks are going to play him in more of a top four role, A, who's his partner, and B, is he going to have success in that role, in your best guess? Yeah, this is where the medium-term fit is not ideal. I think short-term, he's definitely a much-needed upgrade of course mm-hmm. especially relative to some of the depth depth blue line energy they have and you look at the workload that cole and myers have taken on recently they needed somebody like zadorov but once susie comes back especially it's uh it's not gonna be easy i think the coaching staff has to show some openness to play a left shot defender on the right side and if you're going to do that then i think zadorov fits best on a pair with ian cole because ian cole is more of a calm steady option who can clean up mistakes who is just sort of a safety net you can have a have a young wild and free part partner <laughs> like uh Zadorov on uh, on the ice at the same time and uh and Cole can just be the the, the guy who is, is rock solid in his own end and um you let Zadorov do some of the more dynamic things because as we alluded to earlier he's not just a defensive defenseman he likes to be active offensively. He likes to, he's really ambitious, mm-hmm. both offensively and defensively. This is somebody on a shift by shift basis who wants to make 
an impact and that's where sometimes it can get him in trouble but sometimes that's what also leads to his spectacular plays so yeah it's going to be an interesting test he has improved a lot I will say since he got to Calgary compared to his previous stops in Chicago and Colorado and of course Buffalo before that and because Calgary was so deep he didn't get an extended really long look in the top four because on the left side flames have Hannafin and more recently Mackenzie Weger. So you can understand why he was used in a third pair capacity. So maybe he is at the point now, especially if the coaching staff can calm his game down a little bit to where he can settle into uh, a second pair role. Lots and lots of interaction in the YouTube live chat, which means it's a good time for us to get to anyone else. Just quickly, we had Dan Milstein on uh, Scaris and Price today, and he said that Zadorov plays, uh, was playing on the right side only out of necessity uh, recently for Calgary, and that the last six years he's been on the left side. Sorry, he was playing the right side, but the last uh, you know number of years he's been a left side guy. So I think in a pinch you can put him over there, but ideally you probably want him on that left side, which is you know where he was when that um, – decombination of him and Erica Branson were so good a couple of years back. And there's your first anyone else, courtesy of Dan Milstein. And, and thank you Randy, <laughs> for uh, bringing that up. Uh, Dan Milstein getting in on the fun uh, early here in anyone else presented by DoorDash. It's our listeners chance to get involved and hit us up in the YouTube live chat. It's also our listeners chance to get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more. That's right for a limited time where listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter code NATION25. That's all capital letters, NATION and the numbers 25. Offer valid in Canada's to change. Terms do apply. I kind of speed did the speed run that we did yesterday. Yeah. I, I found the middle middle ground the important thing is promo code nation 25 for groceries convenience whatever you need uh courtesy of doordash we've got a lot in the chat uh we'll start on the topic of hughes zadorov antagonist asks could we see a hughes zadorov pairing i think going back to what grady just said probably not you don't you don't want him on the right side if you can avoid it but the other factor is the hughes heronic pairing has been pretty steady like all things considered when we talk about the Canucks kind of fluctuating here in their recent games the Hughes-Heronic pairing has been pretty steady and I don't think you want to break that up just yet for Zadorov but hey uh, Dollywall reporting that they're still going after Ethan Bear I think that's the one that might change things when Ethan Bear comes back I think you reunite Hughes with Ethan Bear yeah and then at that point maybe you play Zadorov and Heronic together exactly and then all of a sudden your defense core is just so much stronger than it is right now and I think like you said, short term, Zadorov makes them a better defense core. But it, even you know, midterm, when they start getting those guys back, and if they can manage to sign Ethan Bear, it's going to make them a better team. Oh, altogether. one thing I sort of wanted to add about the potential fit beyond this season is the Canucks already have Carson Soucy locked up beyond this season. I believe making three point two five. Yep. And he's sort of been a similar player where it's like has crushed third pair minutes, hasn't necessarily proven himself in a top pair or top four capacity, especially if you're a team that has ambitions of going on a deep playoff run down the road. Zadorov really has to prove himself as a legit bona fide top four defenseman to warrant an extension. Because otherwise, what's the point of investing north of three million into two left shot defenseman where neither one is potentially a bona fide top four defenseman. So that's, that's the challenge for Zdorov because there's already been a lot of speculation about, well, with Dan Milstein and in the history there that, and, and how much Zdorov wanted to be in Vancouver, that there's probably going to be strong mo- momentum towards uh, re-signing him. You, you got to make sure, especially because his current cap it is 3.75. So a Zadorov extension is not coming cheap. And so if you're getting that done and you already have Carson Soucy as like a number four or five defenseman making money in term beyond the season, you have to be mindful of that type of commitment and, and really making sure that, okay, you're, you're essentially committing to Zadorov or Soucy. One of those guys has to be in your top four during your cup contention window. And do you think that's a good strategy for the Canucks? Like, is that going to be how it works out? We'll see. Like, to me, I asked 
NHL executives before the Zadorov trade when he was initially linked to sort of ask, like, hey, can do you think he can hang in a second pair role? The feedback I got was yes, but you need to be willing to live with the mistakes. So there is the potential there, especially again, given how much he improved over his time in Calgary. Uh, it's it's not something he's definitively proven, but there's potential. Okay, this one from Luke. I asked him for pronunciation, and all he said was, you have to learn Polish. Uh, Turkevich is my best uh, guess here. Are Tur- the Turkovich? No, Turkovich. no, no, because that that I, I we learned that with Hunter Brustevich, when it's spelled like that with the Z, it's Vich, I think. Uh, Luke, correct me if I'm wrong. His, his point here. Sorry, Luke. Are the big and tall defensemen being targeted by NHL referees? It feels like anytime Myers throws a bigger hit, he ends up in the penalty box. And obviously there was that great moment yesterday where the hot mic caught Tyler Myers talking to the ref and basically saying, he stepped in front of me and you heard the whole conversation, uh, which ended with the ref saying, Tyler, I have to give you a penalty there. Uh, and yeah, that one didn't look, you know, didn't look like it would be a penalty if Myers was a little bit shorter, but... The one I want to talk about, and I haven't told you either of you that I wanted to talk about this, but did you see the hit on Luke Hughes by Garnet Hathaway? I didn't get a chance okay. to see it. Clean hit. Uh, hits him as they're both going into the side, going toward the boards. Luke Hughes thought it was an icing, so he stopped skating. They were basically skating side by side, and Hathaway just gave him a shoulder, and Hughes lost his balance and went down on the ice and into the boards, and Hathaway got five in a five-minute major, and... John Tortorella was losing his mind on the Flyers bench and for good reason that should they they reviewed this too and it came out as a five minute major after they reviewed it and the point that I wanted to bring up it's my anyone else because this was a good good comment from Luke that I wanted to get to but also my anyone else that I had for the day was does anyone else think we may have taken it for granted how good Quinn Hughes has been since he got to the NHL at avoiding hard contact oh yeah like absolutely I don't know if it's because Luke is bigger than than Quinn. Well, but and my goodness, he's he's getting laid out on a nightly basis. That, that was the second hit behind the net that he's been blown up this season. But what yeah. I like about that game last night is that Luke Hughes came back one and in overtime on a feed from Brother Jack. Because yeah, it wasn't I a think... penalty. Like he he wasn't even hurt on the play. Like it wasn't a penalty. I just, anyways, like. It, 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 he had the puck like it, it was not a penalty and for them to give out a five five and a five minute major I just I couldn't believe it and the thing that it made me think about was just I've never seen Quinn Hughes wear a hit like that he's so elusive in that he can just like angle his body and turn away and by the time you know a four checker gets in on him he's already like peeled off a guy and gone up ice and like we always talk about how good his escapability is it's not just the O zone where he can escape pressure. It's the D zone you see on those breakouts where like he'll suck a, like the, the F one four checker to come in and then boom, he's like gone. And that's just what makes him so special is that he can outskate himself in any jam. And he's got the hockey IQ to, you know, make a good play or just kind of exploit the open space. Got to go over uh, elusiveness with his younger brother. We didn't even with. answer the question. Let me answer the question. Yeah, sure, yes. Go ahead. Uh, Yes, I do think there are occasional instances when because Myers is so tall that the hit looks worse than it actually is. And this is not just referring to this season, but occasional sort of plays and and penalties in in previous seasons during his Canucks tenure as well. I also think part of it is when you're that big, you're just that noticeable and everybody's going to blame the tall guy. And you're hitting smaller guys and the smaller guys are just like, you know, the center law of gravity comes in where the bigger guy just ends up crushing the guy. And whether that's a cheap hit or not, it's just the size discrepancy. And your shoulder, if you're Tyler Myers, yeah. that most guys' heads, regardless. Right. So if you're leading with your shoulder, you're probably going to hit a guy in the and, head. And Myers is often, you know, going down and through the guy. And the little guy is usually just, he's in an unfortunate position, whether they're bent over or not. Just Myers is so much bigger that. And that's where it comes on, you know, the the player getting hit to kind of protect himself and know, oh, crap, Tyler Myers or Nikita Zadorov is on the ice. I better keep my head up. But I will also say, yes, there are occasional instances where I don't I don't think targeted is the right word, but it's just more noticeable and it and it makes the inf- infraction look yeah. worse than it actually is. Absolutely. But on the whole, with Myers, he takes a lot of undisciplined, mm-hmm. well 
deserved penalties. Like stick infractions. Yeah. Those aren't yeah. getting called against Just reaching with a stick. And like you saw that on that first goal last night. Like he goes to poke check. I forget the guy who it was. But when he does that, he leaves Eichel at the side of the net. And you can break down that play, Miller and Besser, like we, we talked about earlier. But, you know, what we always say about Myers, like less is more. Like the more you see him kind of get out of his element and be aggressive, that's when he starts to get into trouble. I like the idea of the zoo pairing that was brought up on the emergency yeah. episode yesterday. The uh, cha- chaotic rhino for uh, Nikita Zadorov and Chaos Draft. For- and maybe Adam Foote can get the most out of those guys. That's right? actually one I wanted to get to here uh, as well. This one from Antagonist. Zadorov will greatly benefit from working with Gonchar and Foote as well. They've helped Myers calm his game down, and they can certainly help Zadorov. Yeah, I certainly hope so. I... <laughs> I think, yes, there has been an improvement in Myers's performance. I also think it's helped in general for Myers that, of course, he's taken on a bit more of a workload recently, especially since Susie went down with injury. But compared to last season, last season, he was consistently defending against top lines. To me, it's no wonder he was getting exposed because he was also doing so alongside Ekman Larson, whose mobility was compromised. So, to put him in that role, no wonder he was overmatched. And I think a big reason why he's been able to sort of have better moments this season is he's also like Hughes and Hronick are taking on all the matchups against top lines, which Myers for the two previous seasons was doing. So I think the more you can shelter his minutes and of course with Zadorov coming into the picture as well, uh, that helps the better you're going to see Tyler Myers play. Uh, I just want to point out, Luke pointed out in the chat that I nailed the pronunciation of his name, and he was very happy uh, to see that. And he said, yes, it's just like Brustevich, which I thought. I thought, although that I in there made me think it was Turkivich, but it's not. It's Turkovich. That's a good name. That's a solid name. Okay, uh, another one here. This one from DM Payne. Since Zadorov is a Canuck, is there a need for Bear or adding an impact winger? Who There's more of a need, as I think what he wanted to say. Is there more of a need for Bear or an impact winger? This is a good it's one. interesting because one. if they could get a legit difference-making top six forward, I, I really do think they'd benefit from that because you can see it now that Pedersen's struggling. They, they have a lot of finishing talent in the top six. I don't think they have enough high-end actual dynamic play creators and play drivers the way that, for instance, Connor Garland drives a third line. But a top six version of that, if that, if that kind of makes sense. Because Gar- Garland, he can do what he does in a bottom six role perfectly because he doesn't quite have chemistry with any of the top six centermen. But Im- imagine if you had a better upgraded version of, of Garland that could do it except he actually has pe- chemistry with the Pedersen or uh, or a Miller, because you're looking at some of the winger options right now. Ilya Mikheyev, yes, he's fast. Yes, he's good on the forecheck, but he's a complimentary player. I mean, before he came to Vancouver, he was a third liner in Toronto. Andre Kuzmenko, he's really creative, especially in the offensive zone, but he doesn't transport the puck up the ice. He's not somebody that is able to create scoring chances or, or at least a high volume of them on his own. He's sort of dependent on Pedersen to do his thing. And that's why when Pedersen struggles, it makes it harder for Kuzmenko to make uh, an impact. The point I'm trying to make is when I think of play drivers, I think of like self starters guys who can create offense regardless of what their line mates are doing. And you're seeing it with the top line, like McKayev and Kuzmenko rely on Pedersen to be the engine for them to be effective. Uh, even with Besser, he's been such a clinical finisher, great scorer, but he's not going to drive play and create a ton of chances on his own. And that's fine because not every top six player you have is going to be sort of dri- uh, a driver. But then you look at the opposite wing on the le- on the left side, and that's where they've been missing. You know, they, they've used Di Giuseppe a lot, and that's where you could probably use another um, sort of impact play creator. Um, but the question is, the question then is how realistic is it to actually find a guy, especially because if it's, if it's a high end top six forward, you're going to be giving up a lot of premium assets. And the thing to keep in mind is this Canucks blue line, even though it's short up now, 
you're in a spot where you have a lot of expiring contracts and beyond this season, I think the bigger need is still to add a, an actual high end defenseman, not as a door off type, like a four or five type or, or an Ethan bear. Who's, who's another like four or five type defenseman. At some point, the team is going to need to add another heroic type two, three defenseman who can actually be a needle mover. Who's a really high end guy. Who's a clear cut above the Ian Coles, the Carson Susies, the Nikita Zordorovs, the Ethan Bears. Um, so I think realistically, Bears probably um, a more sort of realistic ad just because it doesn't cost you anything. Yeah, like you look at the fact that he's a free agent. The only free agent forward you could go get is like Phil Kessel right now. He's yeah. probably not checking the boxes that you want checked based on what you just said. Kessel's underlying numbers, by the way, were really, really rough. Yeah. in Vegas last season because I know a lot of people will look at the point totals and be like, oh, could he could he give you a bit of a spark? But man, he's he's a real defensive liability at this point. There's a reason he didn't play in the playoffs. Yep. No Phil Kessel slander on this show, though, if you don't mind. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> Oznak asking the questions we didn't think would be asked today. If negotiations don't work out with Elias Pettersson, who would you target as your next first-line center? I haven't even thought of it. Know. I'm not go go stop. figure out like maybe Macklin Celerini. Like if, if if it's not working out with PD, get ready to rebuild because uh it's working out with PD. It's working out with PD. We yeah, yeah. Let's not Anyways, go there. Osnuck, thanks for the question. Uh okay, this is a good one. Sniper asks, will the Canucks actually show up for the game in Calgary this time? This is a good question for you to answer. You're a vibes yeah, guy. Yeah, I am you. a vibes guy. I guess we'll have to find out on Saturday. But yeah, it's, they will for a couple reasons. The first one being that this team is so recently off and on again where they have a good game, then they have a bad game, then they have a good game, then they have a bad game. That was a bad game against Vegas. Math tells you, math, see that? I can count to two, that the next game they play, and patterns, I know patterns. I was going to say, that's more pattern recognition <laughs> than it is math. <laughs> math the math tells you that uh they should be ready to go tomorrow the science yeah the science (laughs) all the science that i've put behind this tells you that they should be ready to go uh tomorrow night against calgary flames we'll be back on monday to break that down okay anyone else uh i don't know like people i don't know people are wondering about andre kuzmenko and oh he scored a goal like that's great for him long term JC Miller was asked about that. He even said it. He's like, yeah, I'm not taking much pride in that when we're down for nothing. Teams are like taking their taking their foot off the gas, so it doesn't really mean much. Good for Kuzmenko. But yeah, last thing I want to say about the game. Actually, okay, we'll get to this one, and then I'll say one last thing about the game. Then we'll get to Betway. This one from Sinochick. How confident are you that Miller can be a matchup center in a Game 7 playoff series against a McDavid slash Eichel slash any of the three LA centers. People in the chat have already pointed this out that Miller is not going to do well in that role unless Elias Pettersson is also going. And I think right now, JT Miller's been good in that role, but last night, he's not firing on all cylinders, so they try the Pettersson line. That line is arguably worse than the Miller line was, so Miller gets the matchup once again. JT Miller can't do it by himself. And that's what's happening right now is he's having to do it by himself. And hey, you know what? Let's just, let's be honest here. The accountability from JT Miller post game saying, yeah, this was, this was on me. He's taking all the blame on himself. He needs more help from his teammates. And that definitely includes Elias Pedersen. Hey, does Petey need more help? Yeah, he does. He also needs more help. They need more from the rest of the lineup. But when your top two lines aren't going, you're not going to, play well against those top teams as we saw last night yeah I, I mean look we all know Patterson needs to get going Miller in a matchup role it's interesting because for the most part this season he's obviously been up to the task but the one thing that worries me is that he's never been that guy before the season yep especially doing it at center in a like the thing is Miller is elite offensively power play five on five, what he can do. You see the ridiculous point totals, but in his career, he's never really been a shutdown guy. And so it, it does trying to think of the right word. It does concern me a little bit. The idea of him having to go up against one of those 
top uh, top centerman just because it's like I'm confident he can do it in a stretch. I just don't know if I can lean on lean on him to do it really consistently. I would argue that you want Elias Pettersson to get to that point because I think we've been talking about it for years now where he wants those matchups. He does well in that those matchups in stretches, but as soon as there's any sort of adversity, he's pulled out of that matchup by every head coach that coached him. That's what's happened. He's tried, look, like Travis Green had him in a matchup role toward the end of Green's tenure. Uh, during the playoff playoffs, the bubble playoffs, Elias Pettersson's line was the matchup line for a lot of those games. That was during the bubble. Those were playoff games, kind of. The next season, same thing. They try him in the matchup role, does well at times, doesn't do well at other times, and he's taken out of the role. I wonder if Elias Pettersson's going to take that step. You you hoped that last night when Miller wasn't going, that when they put Pettersson's line out there, that maybe he'd step up and his line would step up. It was a disaster. It was a disaster. So they pulled it right back. And I just, I don't know, man. Like, JC Miller's going to take a lot of flack for his performance last night, and rightfully so, but... You know, all these people saying, see, this is what's wrong with the Canucks roster. JC Miller's not a matchup center. Okay, fine. You just pointed out that he's elite offensively. What does JT Miller look like if he's able to get the matchups that, you know, maybe a guy like Elias Pedersen is getting? Yeah. I you want Pedersen to take that step is what I'm saying. Yeah, for sure. And it's not Miller's fault if he, let's, let's say he were to struggle in that role. I don't think anybody should be blaming Miller. Yeah it would be more a situation of you're asking a player whose true calling card is offensive talent to, to essentially shut down. Some the Bo Horvat special. Yeah. It's especially because it's not just a question for this season, but Miller's 30. Yep. So from this point forward, especially when you think about the Canucks sort of future cup contention window, he's, you know, every year that he gets deeper into his 30s, most players tend to gradually taper off in terms of their two-way effectiveness. So um, it is something to be mindful of over the remainder of uh, of the season. Zach Davies wants them to go get Sean Monaghan as 2C. Uh, Dark horse over- name, he said. Monaghan would be a good 3C. I- I'd... He's he's also really like he had a great start this season and he's struggled a lot recently for the Canadians. Yeah, the, he's a three C. Yep, for sure. The final thing I want to say about the game was when I was just doing instant reaction last night. I was kind of poking around natural stat trick. There was one line where all three players actually I should just say there was three forwards last night. I think Phil Giuseppe was right at fifty who had a positive Corsi percentage like over fifty, and the only three players were Teddy Bluger, Connor Garland and Dakota Joshua. Great for them, not great for the Canucks. Yeah, wow, look at you with the math pulling out the I don't think I've I don't think I've ever called it Corsi either. You're 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 going technical technical today. I uh I like it, but yeah, I mean just goes to show you as much as a team as a whole is outclassed, it's it's on the top half of the lineup to to cook, especially on a night where you saw Jack Eichel almost single-handedly beating the Canucks. Yep. And that's not going to cut it in the playoffs. And it looks like the team's headed for the playoffs. So hopefully they can start to figure things out. Uh, We're predicting a win tomorrow night in Calgary, but we will see. uh, Obviously when we get back on Monday, we'll be here to break it all down. Uh, I feel like I'm missing something, but I don't know if I am. Betway. There it is. Thanks guys. Look at that. Okay. Let's get to our Betway bet of the day. Thought I had to sneeze. I didn't. Uh, we're going with the Columbus Blue Jackets today. Yeah, that's right. Columbus Blue Jackets play Friday night against the Ottawa Senators. They are the underdogs. Plus 125 odds. Port, a, Port Moody's Kenson, Kent Johnson is back. Back in the lineup, making his return. A $10 bet returns you $22.50 over on Betway. Betway. Betway must be 19 plus to play. If you choose to play, please play responsibly. Okay. Final thoughts, guys, as we close out this week and head into December. Yeah, your wagon blue jack. It's just like your wagon Anaheim Ducks. That's right. Can't beat them, baby. Can't beat them. Grady, final thoughts? Uh, well, they better show up against Calgary tomorrow. I'm curious to see how Zadorov uh, goes up against his former team here. Calgary's been playing better of late. Uh, saw a lot of people upset about the return yesterday, and I think we all agreed it, it seemed pretty low, but you know, I just wonder with 
kind of the trade request and the situation in Calgary? Like, was that Craig Conroy coming to the realization, like, I got to trade this guy sooner rather than later? I think a lot of the other teams that were in on uh, Big Nikita wanted uh, retention uh, from Calgary. And, you know, the Canucks cleared some cap space and they were able to facilitate the deal. So, yeah, let's see how this shakes out uh, tomorrow night. All right. And with that, we will close it out there. Also, got to get this in quickly before we close out anyone else. Gray Plume pointing out what we've been pointing out for a while. PD is hurt. I think he's a new listener because he's saying media is not talking about this. We know his wrist is probably bugging him, Grady Plume. We brought it's it up on every show. It's been talked about on <laughs> a lot of different shows. Yeah. Uh, it's good. It's a good contribution, though. I just think he might be a new listener. So we got a new lot Welcome. of new listeners uh, today. Be sure to subscribe and like today's episode. Uh, subscribe to the channel, folks, and go find it wherever you get your podcasts as well. But for now, we're heading off into the weekend. For my co-host, Harmon Dial, our technical producer, Grady Sass, my name is David Guadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. Canucks Conversation with Harmon and Quads every weekday at 2 p.m. Be sure to check it out on the Canucks Army YouTube channel. And if you missed it, go check it out on your favorite podcast catcher app. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.